Hey, this is Josh. Thanks for tuning into the show, Healers on Healing. I wanted to make this show because we can get caught in the trappings of life. Responsibilities, bills to pay, kids to feed, just all these things that take our attention. And to me, healing and being our healthiest self gets neglected. I thought it'd be interesting to ask my colleagues and other professionals what the heck this thing, health and healing, is. I hope these conversations inspire you, demystify the process, maybe reinforce what you already know, and give you new ideas on how to be the healthiest you. My guest Andrew Sikulski shares his insights regarding the topics of healing, truth, and change. Andrew is a practicing chiropractor, life coach, and author of the book The Best Lover Ever. Tune in as Andrew and I wander through the learnings from his own life's lessons and land on the healing topic of alignment with oneself. So I'm excited to interview you, Andrew. Right. And I'm excited <laughs> because I think you have a lot of unique experiences that I want to ask about. Excellent. Um, you've been a chiropractor for 30 years. You've done life coaching. You now have written a book. Talk to me about what you feel like you're doing. What are you trying to help people do? As a chiropractor, I have a philosophy of healing, which is the body has an inborn potential and ability to heal itself. And the vehicle chiropractors used to do that is through adjusting, that's the treatment for realigning the bones of the spine to get the spine to function as well as is possible. So the nerve system can function as well as possible so the body can heal itself. My approach as a coach is two things because I think of myself as a coach and an advisor. And so as a coach, I help people uncover what it is that they want I help people formulate a plan for getting what they want. And I look at the blockages or the interference that people might have that they oftentimes set up themselves between what they say they want and they're actually accomplishing the goals. As an advisor, I'm oftentimes telling people what I think or making suggestions. And, and only if it might be relevant to their particular situation. And if I can jump in, what I hear you sort of saying about healing Healing is about kind of removing blockages. Here's the body has a natural system of healing, but blockages come into that to, to disrupt it. And here's our longings in life, our wants in life, and blockages. So healing is sort of the act of removing blockages. That's certainly one aspect of it. What do you think is the other part of it? What comes to me is an understanding of self. Uh, a deep dive into who someone is and getting them to express their truth. What I always start out asking people in a coaching session is, what do you want? And it's oftentimes a much more difficult question for people to answer than you might think. People are always quick to tell you what they don't want, 
and the things that they don't like, but they're slower sometimes to talk about what they do want. So yeah, so here's this healing is the act of removing blockages, but also an act of sort of knowing self, so you kind of know where you want to go. I found that personally helpful for me um, to, you know, the, the adventure has been to get to know myself better and to be willing to look at the parts of myself that I don't like as well as the parts of myself that I do and to recognize the parts of myself that I like, to recognize my strengths, but also to be honest about the things that I don't do as well as I could, the things that I do poorly and to be able to admit that and then to decide if I want to work on certain aspects of myself. Another part of healing to me is acceptance. I've gotten to the age where I'm accepting that I may not be able to do all the things I want to do or, quote, heal in all the ways that I'd like to heal. That it may shift and vary depending on what age I am and what my needs are. And I've, as a 62-year-old man, I, I've seen that. I've seen my needs change and my desires change. Sometimes I say to myself, because I've had a lot of different uh, health issues over the years, any day without a gallstone, a kidney stone, or leg pain is a great day. <laughs> you know, so many people might not define a great day as that. But when I'm sitting in a healthy place and really appreciating what is, I might say, wow, you know, that was something that I was complaining about so much three months ago. And I said, if that would only be gone, I'd be happy. And I'd never complain again. And of course, that gets cleared up. And then I'm on to the next thing that I'm complaining to, about. So it is useful for myself to, um, to look at my own life and to understand that my needs will change over time. And my definition of health and healing will change over time as well. Yeah, I really appreciate, right, there's these blockages. Okay, we got to deal with those. There's this level of truthfulness. We got to get there, but but also I hear you sort of speak to this third piece of openness, that healing is partially not necessarily knowing where you're going. Yeah, and the third thing you said, it, I really resonate with in the sense that sometimes I think that I'm in control when it's really other things that are in control and are guiding and teaching me. Uh, in many ways, I hear the serenity prayer, like, know what I can change, know what to accept, figure out which is which. And so how, you know, in your personal life, how have you navigated figuring that out? What is something I can work with? What is something I need to be patient with? Well, one of the, one of the things that is, I'm finding now that's taken maybe decades to uh, realize is that I'm good at some things and maybe not good at others. And I oftentimes draw this um, four rectangles for people and I say, there's areas that people know they're good at and they are good at. There's areas where people think they're good at something and they're really not, you know? And then there's you know, the areas where uh, people are not good at something and know it. And another area where people might be good at something and don't know it. So to look at those for myself and to finally get, well, you're not great at everything. You know, I think when I was a kid, I was a child, I was, it was drummed into my head that I had to be great at everything. And so I ended up giving up really early on things when things didn't come easily to me or I wasn't great at it. And now I've learned to accept something less than perfection as being good enough and to be more gentle with myself as I strive to be healthier or better in a variety of different aspects of my life. So part of it's been time and growth and self-examination. And of course, 
help from other people who have guided me and who I've learned from, coaches and healers, chiropractors, and you know, a variety of therapists, a variety of different people who have impacted my life, family, friends, partners. It's a, it's a growth process. You know, I'm, I look back at now at some of the things I thought a decade or two ago and just laugh because I have a different perspective on it. In 10 years, I'll probably look back at the way I'm thinking now and, and laugh and, you know, and, and uh, you know, I had a partner for many years who would always say to me, it's all perfect. It's all perfect. I used to be so irritated when she said that because it just, it wasn't all perfect. You know, it wasn't all perfect. But as more time goes by, you know, I, I'm more and more accepting of that. What do, you, what do you see now in that concept? What I see is that I've had so many experiences in my life now where, and it falls under the uh, proverb of thank God for unanswered prayers, if you've ever heard that, where something didn't happen that I really wanted to have happen, or something happened that I really didn't want to have happen. And yet I can look back now three months, six months, two years later and go, wow, that was part of a process that led me to this moment, which is now bringing me so much happiness. So I've seen that happen now so many times that I, I, I'm more accepting of that and, and it brings me comfort. And the other thing is uh, along those lines is a universal gratitude and energy that sometimes I'll put something out, a certain energy out, and I don't get the response or the exact response that I'd like. And then I have to take a step back and go, you're, you're doing something good and you're putting something out into the world that's good and the universe is going to reward you in ways that you're really not aware of. I've come to the understanding and the peace that most of the time I'm just not going to know the answer. You know, that I spent a lot of time trying to get answers, and now I'm at the place where I'm never going to know that answer. And so one area of growth for me has really been trusting my intuitive self and doing things sometimes that I get a message I should do without trying to look for a linear explanation of the reason that I've come to that decision or what will happen as a consequence. So when I'm really in a place, of, a good place for myself, I'm asking for what to do next rather than trying to force what to do next. And I don't always listen and I don't always follow it because I don't always want to do what I'm hearing is the right thing to do. So I'm constantly resisting it and then learning the same lesson over and over and over until I finally go, oh, yeah, if I just were to tune in to what I'm supposed to be doing and do that, then it will all work out, even though on the surface it seems like there's some of these insurmountable problems or obstacles in my way. I mean, I'm, I'm touched by that and I really hear the power of that. And I'm of what you claimed as a chiropractor, you know, that the body knows what it wants to do. The body knows how to heal if we just kind of let it. And I sort of hear these shades of, I don't know if you would say it this way, but like, the universe too knows what we're meant to do, or our our instinctual self knows. And if we just let it, if we just listen and follow it and not necessarily fight it, not necessarily even if it seems to be like, you should write a book, but I'm 59, what? <laughs> you know, that, that if we really allow ourselves to just hear that, allow it, that actually, that just really beautiful things flower from that. Oh, I like that parallel, and it's one that I didn't make myself, but as you say it, it, it resonates with me. 
Yeah, it sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Well, here, here is a question I want to pose to you because I am fascinated by this. Why are we not just wired to do it? Like, why do you think blockages show up? Why, if the body's meant to just be healthy, healing, yet something happens and a blockage shows up? If we're meant to be happy, serving our purpose beings... Why do we say no when we hear the whisper, you know, like what, yeah, what do you make of the part of us that blocks? And yeah. Well, that's, it's a great question, and I, I think I addressed it in the book that I just wrote, and I wrote a chapter about speaking your truth, and there's another chapter about living with integrity, and the chapter about living with integrity, and it overlaps with speaking your truth, is there's so many obvious benefits to doing the right thing. And I go into them in detail. And then I say, well, given the fact that there are so many wonderful benefits of living with integrity and speaking your truth, why wouldn't you want to do it? But then when I examined the reasons why a person might not, there were a number of reasons for that as well. And I ultimately conclude that living with integrity and speaking your truth is the right thing to do. But I acknowledge and honor the reasons, the many reasons and the variety of reasons, and it might be different for everybody, why someone would choose not to do that. And so I think it starts very early in life with fear, fear of abandonment, um, people acting a certain way to survive, thinking that that's the only way they can get by, people learning, limited learning, they don't uh, learn the kinds of things that we're talking about now till sometimes later in life when they've done a lot of, quote, work. And so people get in habits of behaviors uh, essentially to survive. And the survival drive is so powerful that people oftentimes think that there's only one way or only maybe two ways that they can operate or react in certain situations. And we oftentimes get so many short-term benefits that seem to benefit us from not acting in integrity, not speaking your truth, not following your intuitive self, that it's understandable why people might not. And so for some people it comes easier, but really this is why it's the work for many people. This is why it might be a mission for somebody. Because after so many years, even though they realize that yes, this is the ideal way to live or to think or to be, there's still so much drawing them away and to try to bring them back to their center, to their core, where they're making decisions based on what they know to be right is uh, not easy. And it does take work. What were some of the short-term gains that seduced you? Yeah. So yeah. the first thing that came to my mind is, how long do you have? Because <laughs> maybe you, know, you spend 60 hours talking about that. But I think what I'll do is fast forward and go through, I'll, I'll talk about it in terms of uh, the relationship with my partner. And so in the past, what I found is many times when I was unhappy in a relationship, I wouldn't share the degree of unhappiness with my partner. I would make believe things were okay when they weren't. And this is because... I wanted to not rock the boat. And I think I can go back to my very early formative years and understand why that was, where I was very sensitive to my mom's moods, let's say, and my dad's moods in order to try to keep peace in the household. And so I learned on a moment-to-moment -moment basis to watch people and see what I thought they wanted or needed and learned really early on in life how to give that to them. And so even though I was able to turn that into a skill as I got older, 
the downside of it was it was costly sometimes personally for me. I've come to the place in my life, and I write about this, where I'm no longer willing to be unhappy for too long a period of time. And that if I am unhappy, I'm going to go to my partner and share that and give us the opportunity to shift things so that we're both happy. So I'm much more forthcoming than I would have been. And so I can see the shift in myself personally from not rocking the boat to not expressing the depth of my unhappiness to being much more forthright with what I'm thinking and feeling. And for me to be happier, to honor myself and to honor that I have a right to be happy. And so that's that's a big shift for me. Now that came, comes with risk. It comes with the risk that the relationship might not work out. It comes with the risk that I might end up alone. It comes with the risk that my partner might be angry at me, and I've never been good with people being angry at me. I want people to like me. And so when people don't like me, I generally get very upset and work hard for them to like me, but it's at my own personal expense. You know, you, you spoke well. Here's this sort of landmines of risk. What do you know about what's on the other side that urges you to go through that landmine of risk? Like, what have you really discovered to say, oh no, it's better that I travel through th these risks? What I've discovered is it gives me a sense of peace. It gives me a sense of purpose, that I'm fulfilling my purpose. It gives me a sense of doing the right thing, of fulfilling my intuitive self, of honoring myself as well as others, that it's the right thing to do. And not only is it the right thing to do in the sense of right or wrong, in my definition of right or wrong, but it, it ultimately serves me and it gives me a, a peace in my mind and my heart that is extremely satisfying. If I am willing to, and I have been in the past, uh, be alone and more isolated, um, but have a sense of self that I'm proud of, that that is worth it to me. It's not the easy thing to do. I don't think it's the easy thing to do for most people, but it's the right thing to do. And um, partly from a moral sense, but more from a, a spiritual, peaceful sense in my heart and my mind and my spirit. Yeah, I get this sense when you when you say it's the right thing to do and tell me this is accurate, that it's, again, going even back to this chiropractic term of alignment, that you're being aligned with yourself. And there's something about honoring who you are, what your longings are, what your emotions are, what your needs are, what your truth is, that even if that risks rejection or conflict or all these things that can be hard to go through, that there is something about the taste of alignment with self that really is a, an incredible thing to taste. That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speaking yeah, back your oh, words. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> I like the way you said it. Though. I, you know, one of the things that really irritates my uh, my partner that I never ever used to say, but I'll say now, and it, it irritates her. But I'm trying to get her to get a piece of this for herself, and it may not sound the way I mean it, so I can elaborate it on it. But I'll say to her, "It's all about me." It's all about me. And then she goes, what do you mean it's all about you? You know, but I'll say, no, then that's all about you. You know, not to blame her or anything, but to say, I want her to look out for herself. I want her to be number one for herself. Not in a selfish way, but in an honoring way. To really, a, a sense of deserving. 
um, and, and not in a selfish way, but in a, you know, I deserve to be as much as peace as is possible. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to get as much healing as I can bring in for myself and, and, and feel good about myself and who I am and how I show up in the world. It, you know, I had an epiphany a few years back when I realized that I'm 62 years old now, when I realized that my stuff is going to outlast me. It was very shocking. It was like, wow, this beautiful stuff I have, this painting on the wall and this ceramic and this art. I'm going to be gone and that's still going to be there. And it was shocking it to be. And, you know, and, and what flowed from that to a certain extent was me picturing myself on my deathbed. If I'm fortunate enough to be conscious and aware and thoughtful, not only to go out in a blaze of gratitude, which, by the way, I wanted my tombstone. He went out in a blaze of gratitude. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but also in, in a sense that what was in me, I got a chance to express as much as is possible. And my vehicle for doing that now is writing. Everyone has a different delivery vehicle for the gifts that they have that they can give to themselves and others. And I say, what's the delivery vehicle that you have that you can share your gifts with the world? And so I wrote a book at the age of 59 and completed it at the age of 62. I never thought of myself as a writer, but now I have a book. And recently I was a number one Amazon bestseller, you know, for a short period of time. I was king for a day. But it's a book that I'm proud of. And I don't care if I sell 100 copies or 100,000 copies, although 100,000 would be nice. It's more like this is my gift. This is one way of expressing myself and who I am. And there's other books to follow. And, and tell me if I hear you accurately, what I hear in that is like, every one of us has this precious me, right? This core me, this beautiful me, and it's unique. And boy, if we can live from a place in that and, and act from a place, like, I think that's what I hear you referring to, like, whether, whether I'm, I'm doing this job or that job, that if I can, like, glow from that center me it changes everything it changes my felt experience so there's joy in that it changes my interaction with the world it, to get back to kind of the original question healing is kind of the more we can like get and live in that beautiful core place and express yourself from that place and try if, if possible to love other people from that place yeah, I almost feel like that is a beautiful place to bring sort of conclusion to this conversation of, yeah, I just really, really am touched by this notion of, yeah, stripping the onion away, finding that core place, loving yourself from that core place, acting from that core place, bringing that core place to the, to the universe, to the world, and that that is such a powerful beautiful place to exist in and and boy if we can live there <laughs> hope, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah boy society yeah. would change yeah. but but our our own world right and i would say if it doesn't come easily that's okay be gentle with yourself it's really you're a work in progress and what you're trying to do is do as much of this as you can but know that this is the mission this is the work and if it was easy it wouldn't be called a mission and if it was easy, it might not be called work. You know, and this is why we use those terms, because even though it's not easy, it's really, uh, I think, uh, very worthwhile. A spirit that touches the earth, 
even for a moment, that spirit lasts forever. Your impact will last forever in ways that you may very well never understand. So I do believe that we are all contributing to a greater good and building on each other and standing on the backs of giants and that we may never know fully or even at all how something we say or do contributes to making the world a better place. So I, I think that I, that's one of the things that motivates me is I think, wow, maybe I have 10 years. Maybe I have 10 days or 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I said to my cardiologist, I said, it seems to take two years to write a book and I've got five years. I've got five books to write. Can you give me 10 years? He said, I think we can do that. You know, now that I see it takes three years to write a book, I think I'm going to bring two or three of the books that I want to write into one. So at least I'll get that. But whatever your personal beliefs are, that's fine. As long as it doesn't hamper or you don't use it as a tool to hurt other people. Um, whatever you believe, I honor those beliefs. Well, I personally hope you have at least 15 years. So you have <laughs> the three years per the five books. Okay. okay. Well, let's say good morning at a time, but thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. And if you get a chance, read this book, which is called The Best Lover Ever, How to Be the Best Partner in a Committed Monogamous Relationship. It's available on Amazon. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. That brings us to the end of another great episode. And if you didn't realize, we had new music this episode, and that's because my great friend, Justin Reed, uh, love you, brother, who donated this track to me after hearing the earlier episodes and thinking it was what might suit my needs. So thank you, Justin. I greatly appreciate you and your wonderful music. If you too want to help me out, it'd be awesome if you continue to spread the word about this show. And if you want to go the extra step, give it a rating and a review. So thanks for any support there. And again, uh, we'll get out another episode and uh, I'll see you for the next one.